Welcome to the Work Minus Podcast. We talk about what we need to drop from the way we think about work and what we need to replace it with to be prepared for the future. Go to workminus.com to see a transcript of this episode, more podcasts, articles, and a newsletter that connects you to the best ideas about work. All right, enjoy the show. Well, welcome back to Work Minus, where we're helping you build the company that the next generation wants to work for. Today, we have Casey Wright. She's the CEO of The Ninja Zone, and this is Work Minus Zigzags. Hi, Casey. How are you? Hey, doing great. It's great to have you on. You have a a very interesting story that we're going to get into about how you do things, but I want you to tell us first about The Ninja Zone and what it is. Sure. Well, The Ninja Zone uh, originally started as a way to rebrand and remarket a gymnastics-like program for, especially for high-energy little boys. It is now morphed into um, a really exciting new kids sport. So it's a fusion of parkour, obstacle course racing, like American Ninja Warrior, Mm -hmm. gymnastics, and uh, a little bit of martial arts. And we are... um, we licensed the the entire program all over the world. We're in 340 locations worldwide. Wow. So when you, you started it as a gymnastics thing, that was kind of your upbringing? That's your background? Yeah. I was a high-level gymnastics coach for most of my life. My parents were gymnastics coaches. And um, I learned a, a lot of leadership and really just how to um, build confidence and be excellent at something competing, uh, coaching competitors at that high level. Mm-hmm. And when I stepped away from coaching, that's when I really realized the the confidence that was gained in the sport of gymnastics and uh, men's gymnastics just kind of wasn't cutting it. There wasn't a lot of participation. And then overall, felt like there was a real need for um, just programming for little guys with energy. And there wasn't a lot out there. We're talking to a lot of people who are, are shaping the culture. They're the leader of a company that's in this growth stage. So tell us about your kind of that growth story that you've been through. What was it like to go from just one location? Now you have over 300. Tell us about that experience. Sure. Well, I heard once that every time your business triples, it's a different business. Hmm. And what that means to you personally is the decisions that you make and the things that you do day by day change very rapidly. And that can be very tough because just as you feel like you've learned something new and you get in a groove, you've you've got to go again and go again and go again to mm-hmm. keep up with the, the growth and the demand. And for me, I went from basically focusing entirely on operations, which was how the, you know, the product and the program was created to then having to really, really learn all aspects of business really fast. Mm. It was really fun. It was really exciting. I, you know, I love learning new things. Uh, I felt like I was just opening up these doors to all these new hallways and, and it was very exciting, but it almost, um, really put me in, um, I'm going to use the word manic, but looking mm-hmm. back a little bit of a manic state, like, you know, it, it, the, the not sleeping and the go, go, go. And, um, just, uh, it was, it was a pretty, it was a pretty fast moving time in my life. And, and not that it isn't still fast moving, but I, I don't feel the same way I did in yeah. the beginning years. So let's look at that because you have something that that you want to share with us. We're calling this work minus zigzags. So tell us about that zigzag life. What does that mean to you? Well, I always felt like I was bouncing off walls Uh and I was, you know, I've always been gritty and resilient and hardworking. And, 
um, that was just who I was. And so it was almost like if I wasn't suffering, I wasn't working. Mm. And uh, basically how I went about building the company was just grind and work and grind and grind. And I would hit a wall and zigzag to the other one and zigzag to the other one or make a mistake and, and just go back and forth and back and forth. And, um, I think, you know, finally it got to the point where my, my body and my brain said, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm dizzy. Mm -hmm. Let's try something new. All right. So lead us in. What was the thing that you found that helped you with that? Well, what was interesting is, you know, when you start to look for answers, and you just, it was just a rabbit hole and it just kept getting into a bigger and bigger rabbit hole. I started out with, you know, business videos and then I ended up, you know, at personal development conferences and Tony Robbins all over the world. And, um, and those things are amazing. And I, and I will stay true to that. I mean, it's part of my life still mm-hmm. every day. But specifically, I was um, standing outside of a Tony Robbins conference in New York City, and I met, well, this this woman, it was 10 o'clock at night, she was standing in front of me, and she had this bag, and it said, stress less, accomplish more. And I tapped her on the shoulder. <laughs> I'm like, that can't be for real. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because, you know, I was there because I was searching for answers yeah. because I, you know, I had this company. I, I, I just, I had so much passion, so much drive, but it was affecting my relationships. It was affecting my health a little bit. Um, I, I had a lot of guilt as a, as a mother, you know, not knowing where I should be spending my, not my time, but more of my focus. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, um, she turns around and she was just glowing and I was like, who is this? I mean, it was literally, she was literally glowing her face. It was 1030 at night. We'd just been in a conference for 12 hours and no one had eaten anything all day. So anyway, she starts telling me and, and it was, it was an online meditation program. And, um, I said, you know what? I, I think I'll try it. And it was literally, it started with a 10 day program and I had tried like Headspace and a couple of the other apps, you know, people say, okay, you're supposed to meditate. I was doing it because I thought I was supposed to kind of mm-hmm. like, you know, you're supposed to do this kind of exercise and you're not supposed to eat whatever in the morning. But I, it, I was just doing it because I thought I was supposed to be doing it. And I wasn't really getting much from it other than a little bit of a break. And, um, her program, the way she explained it, the way she talked, uh, the way she educated uh, about meditation just really sunk in. It hit both sides of my brain. And um, from a scientific and logical perspective, I could really understand. And one of the things that she teaches is you don't meditate to get good at meditation. You meditate to get good at life. Mm. And so at that time, this was probably, I don't know, several years ago, now, uh, three, three and a half. Um, I didn't tell anybody I was, you know, cause I'm like, what am I doing? I'm just sitting here not doing, you know, like <laughs> I'm not working. Right. I'm not getting anything done. Yeah. It's, it's really like, um, you know, we have a, a hard drive in our brain, our subconscious that has been collecting a whole lot of dust and programming all of our lives and you have to really defrag that so i meditate twice a day once in the morning and once uh before dinner in order to continue to keep that can continue to keep that fresh but it was about six months in i didn't tell anybody was doing it and i would 
I tell my people everything. I mean, I wear my heart on my sleeve. They know everything about my personal life. I'm an open book. But this was one that I was just like, I don't know. I just, I was still trying to figure it out. About six months in, I look back and I said, and I just, I, I couldn't believe the change in my attitude, in my reaction, the way I reacted to things. It was, um, I used to be very reactive, cut people off, sh- short, um, and it just gave me the ability to to pause and wait and rise above and kind of check out the situation before before I choose to make a reaction. And I say this because um, my team at work they started meditating during their like the meetings that I wasn't in. Like mm-hmm. they would put a just a, a little meditation at the beginning, and most of my team has picked up this practice and I never once encouraged it. It was 1000% by the change that they saw in me. Hmm. I never, I never pushed it. I never said, you guys need to try this. Never. Yeah. And then when I saw them do it, I, you know, I've, I, I just, I'm a, I'm, I'm definitely a believer. I will never not. <laughs> no, I love the story a lot because we talk about a lot of ideas uh, on work minus and a lot of them, you know, stay in people's minds like, yeah, I, I should try that or other people should be doing that or I wish my whole company would do this. But the only model that seems to stick and the one that really makes change is when the leader actually does it and says like, this is important enough in my life that I want to do it. And then other people see that and then they pick it up and, and go through things. So I, I love that that's your story too. Yeah, it's really, I want some of what you have. Yeah. Like you're different now. And, and they have to be ready too. They really have to be ready. You can't, you can't push it on them or it actually works the opposite way you want want it to. Have you had people that have had that experience where they've tried it and they've just not been in the right frame of mind or stage of life or, or something that doesn't work for them? You know, if I have, they haven't told me about it um, because the ones that I, I think the ones that have started, they knew it was time. Now, I have some people that are, you know, better as far as more consistent than others, a little more committed, um, but that's a general kind of a personality thing too. Mm-hmm. So, but as far as that, I mean, they, it's just kind of a part of who we are. I mean, it's blocked out in our calendars. <laughs> and how big of a team are you talking about that will practice this? Well, this would be really my leadership team, which is only 10 people. We have about 150 people in the company. And, and I hope that it will, you know, eventually, and I know it will, I know it will. Um, as we continue to improve our infrastructure and continue to in, improve the the relationships. I mean, my Ninja Zone is very new. I also have several other companies, mm-hmm. uh, the, gymna- the five brick and mortar gymnastics facilities that have the Ninja Zone programming. And we have a fulfillment center and uh, a couple other things um, going on. So I had to take um, a lot of teams and put them together. Mm-hmm. So that was a really our big initiative in 2019. So it's uh, it's amazing how you know culture can change a lot faster than you think. Hmm. And and mind you, we're taking the culture of high level gymnastics coaches. Yeah, right? they're like the <laughs> not a laid back type of crowd. Hey everyone, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, the best way you can support us is to leave a review in your favorite podcast app. Or better yet, start a conversation with a friend about how you think we can make work better. Thanks. So I, I wanted to get back into the statement you just made. Culture can change a lot faster than you think. 
because I think a lot of leaders and culture shapers will look at that and say, you know, yeah, that'd be great, but we're talking about years before I can really see some some percolation of this throughout that. So what is it about this thing that made it faster? And do you think other topics could also go that fast? I think it's, um, I think if you do anything that's, that number one, that works, mm. it's got to really work. You can't, you can't try to push an initiative through and either be inconsistent or uncommitted and expect for it to, to, to change people. Um, it just, for instance, like putting in Slack, mm-hmm. right? Slack. I mean, for us, you know, a hundred of our employees are part time, and a lot of them don't own computers. Mm. <laughs> so it is, you know, you'd think that that would be a big, you know, a big thing. But when you you get what you celebrate, that's that's really mm. what it is. And I'm sure you've, you know, I'm sure we've all heard that before. But I think that when you continuously celebrate something and talk about it over and over again, it it just, it goes a lot faster. And especially with this, it's part of your day every day, twice a day. You can't not, it's not like you do a training and then leave. No, that's great. What is it like for people who are are new to join your team or people who are entering into that? Is it kind of like, what's everybody doing right now? There's kind of freaked out a little bit by it or or is it welcome? What's that like? Um, well, our leadership team works remotely, so it's not like we have, you know, a gr- we will. We're building a facility in Westfield. I, I I wonder what that'll look like. But I think people, a lot of times, you know, we do it on their own time and, um, you know, in the car or whatever. So it's not like you're walking around watching people <laughs> meditate. That doesn't happen. But um, I think for new people coming in, it, it seems like every new employee we hire raises our average that's that's what i feel like because we just there's a certain um you you, you got to be able to to relate to people and um we really try to hire people that see the big picture and it's not you know you hear a lot about work life balance and it's i've never been a fan of that concept uh, i think it's an energy balance mm-hmm. uh, it has nothing to do with time time is what's time you know mm. <laughs> when you're having fun time is nothing you know so yeah it's a different kind of person yeah for sure you had mentioned time earlier when you talked about like time with your children that it wasn't something you really stressed about so lead us into that because i know a lot of other leaders really do stress about like how much time i'm spending on the business versus my own life and family so why is that not so much of attention for you it's um it's a feeling i i think that's one thing that meditation really led me into is i really understand my feelings and i every everything's data so i look at it as i started uh you know i I got my little apple watch and i started my exercise routine and i've now worn an apple watch for three years so i can tell how much i moved in 2018 19 or 17 18 19 Mm -hmm. by the day your, our emotions are the same way. How we feel in each moment of the day, you could give a score to mm. one to 10. You know, you could TiVo it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thumbs up, thumbs down. I said TiVo, that's how old I am. But, <laughs> uh, you can do that. And when you think about your days cumulatively, you want to you raise that average. That's how you improve your quality of life. So with my children, 
I could be sitting on the couch with them, but if I'm on my phone or the, the, you, you feel when you're connected, Mm -hmm. you also feel when you're disconnected, they will let you know when you're disconnected. I've found a really good sweet spot in transitions with my children. It's not the, the, the chunk of time. If I can hit them like before, after school and bed, these transitions, I can just, and, and the car rides, like I make those intentional hmm. and I feel deeply connected to them. And then I can fill that bucket. And then if I need to leave for a week, it's okay. Like they don't freak out. They don't stress out. I don't feel guilty because I'm going out and getting what I need to fill up my bucket. Work fills my bucket. <laughs> if I didn't have, you know, four to six hours a day to just pour into spreadsheets, I mean, I love it. And I tell them that, like, I don't go to work. I go to play and I go, I, I'm learning how to be a better mommy. So I, I think the balance comes from if people feel unbalanced or feel guilty. Number one, it's because maybe they should. <laughs> I will say I learned that. Yeah. Um, that I wasn't fully focused. Or two, they're setting their standards by somebody else's guidelines. Yeah, I like that. Let's close out. You you mentioned that most of your leadership team, and I'm assuming most of your team is remote. So that is another layer of complexity when you're trying to change a culture, when you're trying to, and I guess it goes back to that you weren't necessarily trying to tra- change your culture when you started the meditation. It just kind of happened, right? It all happens, you know, the leader goes first. So yeah, in terms of other ways that having a distributed leadership team, what are some of the advantages you see in that when you're trying to build this feeling of connection and a strong sense of purpose for all that? What are the advantages and what are the disadvantages when it comes to that remote mindset? Well, I definitely think we have to do what's best for ourselves and our lives to be able to pour into our work. Mm -hmm. It's not about trust. It's not about hours that I, I don't want you punching in and saying, I, I have these, these certain hours here. You see through the quality of work um, what's there. And when you truly, like I said, let people manage their energy, not their time. So we have people with, we have, we have people with kids in middle school. We have, I, you know, people that are pregnant, people that are, um, you know, young children. So, they have to manage their energy. We have people, my, my, um, my creatives, man, they're, they're night owls. Their best work comes in at 1am. Not me. Mm-hmm. Like that's not going to happen. So I think it's really, we focus a lot of on the individual and then we come together when it makes sense. The worst thing about working remotely is when you have a bad connection. Like that's really, but even a Zoom meeting is better because people can't talk over each other. Yeah. Right. One person and then the other, it just doesn't work like one conversation. So we, we love it. Um, our, my part-time staff and my, my staff that's at the facilities, they clearly have to be at the facilities, but that's something that, um, because I did that job before they are doing it, I realized how much, how hard that is. I mean, four hours in a gym with kids is not like four hours sitting behind a computer. Yeah. It's very different. Yeah. And we're empathetic to that. So well, I love what you're doing, Casey. It's very inspiring to see, you know, we came on to talk about meditation, but it's clear that it's, it's bigger than that. It's about, you know, 
living good lives. It's about working well. It's about enjoying the people you work with and enjoying your families. And you, you gave us a lot of good tips. We talked about the managing energy, not time, about changing culture, about how it can go a lot faster than other things. So this has really given us a, a lot to think about, and I hope a lot that we can be actionable about. We'll put that the specific app that you guys are using for meditation in our show notes. Uh, anything else you can leave us with? Well, as you know, I'm I'm a leader of a great company that does great things for kids. So I always like to talk about the Ninja Zone and the Rights Gymnastics companies. Um, we teach from walking all the way up excellence to just having fun yeah. and gaining coordination. So we're all around the city. You can look us up, rightsgymnastics.com or the ninjazone.com. And if it goes, I don't know, you know, where all your podcast reaches, but um, Ninja Zones, they're all over the world. So the ninjazone.com. Excellent. Well, thanks so much for being on the show and sharing your story with us. We look forward to staying connected. Okay. Thanks, Neil. 